on episode one of the Mac Chat podcast, I welcome on my good friend Ramray Duran to discuss esports. Ramray just graduated from the University of Oregon and was a member of the Call of Duty team after helping launch the University of Oregon esports program this past year. Before we get into that, I would greatly appreciate if you left a generous rating and spread kind words about this podcast as I try to get this thing off the ground. Now, without further ado, let's hear from Ramray Duran. All right, Ramray, I appreciate you joining the podcast, man. You're my very first recording of the podcast. As soon as I knew I wanted to launch this thing, I thought about you and, you know, like I want to bring on people who have specific interests that they can talk about and the stuff that you've done with esports this past year has been awesome, man. So thanks for taking the time. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Sean. I'm super happy to be here. I mean, you're you're a great you know radio host personality in Eugene. So I mean, as soon as you hit me up, I knew I had to jump on. Appreciate it, man. Well, um, my first question for you is, how did you get into the world of gaming, and how did that kind of translate into an interest in esports? Um, yeah. So I mean, growing up, I was always playing video games, like for as long as I can remember. Starting off with, uh, you know, the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance. My dad would come home from Black Friday and got me a Game Boy Advance and that's the earliest I can remember and growing up it was always just a big part of my life like I played basketball growing up but you know I was never really into sports that much I was always into playing Mario or Pokemon and then you know once I got into high school I remember it was uh 2011 my and it was the year Modern Warfare 3 came out and it was the year my parents finally let me play Call of Duty (laughs) <laughs> so I, I remember me and my little brother in the back of my dad's car driving to Walmart to buy Modern Warfare 3 on like that launch weekend. And oh, I was so excited. So I've been playing <laughs> Call of Duty since then, been playing it every year pretty much. And um, going into college, wanted to start a Call of Duty team until I found out it already existed. Um, so that's how I got involved with the esports program back then. And it's blown up ever since. And that yeah. was like less than two years ago. Yeah, dude, there's no bigger thrill in like middle school or even like early high school than like going behind your parents' back and getting those new COD games. I remember I did the oh, same yeah. thing. <laughs> My and then, dad like, was always playing, on... playing hooky that day. It comes out <laughs> playing with your friends. Yeah, just going on there like nonstop. Like my dad was always on board, and then my mom was like, "What did he buy?" With like yeah, the it's Call the same way for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the esports program really launched this year at the U of O. Um, how did that kind of happen? I mean, you mentioned that you wanted to start like a Call of Duty program, but it really seems like there was no program last year, and now there's like a full-on studio. It's this beautiful studio in the uh, student union. How did how did it happen, and what role did you play in that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, all all credit goes to our esports program director, David Gugliotti, who will probably watch this. David um, is the current. Esports, dire- esports program director his contract is ending but man he has done an incredible job over you know the past two years just building this thing because I mean like you said the esports program really you know made its waves through all of campus this year but you know last year it was still around but you know like we're saying it, it didn't really take off till this year and when I found it I remember being so shocked because it was my junior year and I was like what we have like esports at UofO competitive video games and you know it was still relatively small and they're finding their footing but 
Um, you know, David did a lot of work building the program up and this year it became an official program um, under the EMU. If you're a UVO student watching this, you know um, about the EMU. So once it became, you know, an official varsity program this year under the EMU, that's where, you know, got all the support from university faculty and David did a great job, you know, explaining what the benefits of esports to the UO campus. Just because, you know, I feel like a lot of people when they hear the word esports and competitive video games, they kind of think it's silly. But, you know, it's really done a great job of bringing a place to campus where people feel like they can belong and, you know, still promoting a team environment and opportunities for students to play or other opportunities such as, you know, shoutcasting otherwise. Yeah. What's the culture like in there? And how many kids do you guys have in the esports program? And like, what's it like? I mean, on top of just like playing, you know, playing video games that you love, like what makes it so fun to go in there? And, you know, is there a certain, is there another aspect to it that makes it so great for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say there's like two dimensions to the program because you have like the competitive aspect, which is, I feel like where I belong, where you have the competitive teams. And this past school year, we had five, competitive team so we had call of duty uh rocket league who rocket league the rocket league team is amazing league of legends also amazing we also have hearthstone and um i'm forgetting one i'm forgetting the other one. Oh gosh um but you have that competitive side and then you also have um the more chill side to uoe sports where people just want to go in the lounge and play on the nintendo switch or xboxes and ps4 um so I'd say there's definitely those two separate dimensions, but I would like going back to your original question about the culture, I would say it's really exciting and inclu inclusive because as you know, this lounge just opened in February and I'm just so excited whenever I go in there. It's just unreal to think that we have all this nice equipment sitting in the bottom of the EMU. Um, so yeah. the, I'd say the culture is in a really good spot and everybody that I talk to, um, whether they're involved with the program or they want to know more about it, they just want to, they're just excited to be part of it and figure out ways for it to grow because because it's so new everybody's just so thrilled and thinking of all the different possibilities with you know land tournaments which if you don't know what there are those are when two teams meet up in real life and play against each other um, marketing development research there's just so much to it and I think everyone's just excited to see how far it can grow yeah that lounge is awesome dude it's got to be like one of the best in the nation right just in terms of I mean much. yeah I know David knows a lot more than me he would be a great person to talk to but it's definitely a, a top tier lounge on the west coast I can't speak for the whole country but David tells me it's pretty good compared to a lot of lounges he's seen yeah so you could either like be part of the team or you can pay like a student like I can't like a student like me can just like pay money and just go hang out in there and play some video games right mm -hmm. yeah so you can either just go in there, pay some, um, I don't know the rates off the top of my head, but you can just pay and you can play for however long or um, there's tryouts and it, the tryouts depend on, you know, when that game's competitive season will start. Um, so yeah, you, all students are definitely, you know, encouraged to try out for the specific video games that they want. And, you know, in the Discord throughout the year, there's uh, students that will come in and be like, oh, we should make a Counter-Strike team or we should make a Rainbow Six team. And it all depends on if there's a collegiate league ready for it. And then if there's a, if you can form a team at the university and create it. If I, if I went to tryouts, I laughed in the middle of that because if I went to tryouts <laughs> and I tried out for the Rocket League team, I love playing Rocket League. Don't get me wrong. But when I go yeah, out it's so much fun. around and I'm so bad at it and same with like all the shooting games, like Fortnite and Call of Duty, mm -hmm. 
they would literally kick me out so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's your role? So you're, you're on the team, but um, yeah, also a time where I was, you know, the, the new lounge is right next to the radio station that I work at. And mm-hmm. before the lounge even was open, I, you know, I saw you with your camera shooting a documentary. So you play that role as well with the esports team as, as well. Yeah. So like you mentioned, I have been a player for the last two years for the Call of Duty team. And it's so funny because like that first year, because like the esports program was still so underground, I would, I'd be kind of embarrassed to tell people like, oh yeah, you know, there was a Call of Duty team. But, you know, this year, since everything blew up, you know, I was totally proud to be like, oh yeah, I play for the Call of Duty team here because I feel like with Call of Duty specifically, there's like a huge intersection between that and mainstream culture. I mean, if you look at NBA players, you know, other professional athletes, what they're doing on their free time, you know, they're playing Call of Duty and athletes. And if you take that to the professional level, you have Devin Booker playing with, you know, some of my favorite streamers and Mm -hmm. it's starting to happen more and more. Um, But going back to your question. Yeah. So I've also helped David and the program with video content this year. You know, a lot of our plans got cut short due to COVID obviously, but um, the big project that I did work on was the eSport Lounge's grand opening video, which was super exciting to film. I don't know if you were there on opening day, but the See, line, I was like, wrapped around. Dude, I, yeah, yeah, I know. It was I, was wild. Wor- I was in the radio station, and I remember seeing it, like, wrap around. It was awesome. Dude, it was wild. We weren't, like, I remember David was so shocked. We were not expecting, like, <laughs> that many people to show up. But, yeah, you know, I'm passionate about uh, – I'm, I'm passionate for advocating for eSports and helping it grow. So, and you know, the way that I could help with that is making video content, which is something I love to do. So, I mean, you could find that video if you look on the UO Esports Instagram, shameless plug, but it was just a really fun video to make. And just to show people who have no idea what esports is, it just makes them excited and want to learn more. And you mentioned it, dude, like Call of Duty right now is probably the most popular video game during this quarantine, like the new, totally. uh, the new, remind me the name of it. The Warzone. New, Warzone. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And it's basically free. Isn't, isn't that one free? free? Yeah, it's free for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So like my point is like everyone's playing it. There's so many people that are good at it. So how good, how much practice do you need to, to like play competitively? Because you like need an edge over something that like everyone else does, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, I think like playing ever since I was a kid, you know, yeah. in 2011, that definitely has helped a lot but you know growing up ever since I was little I was always super competitive so I took that to video games with me I wanted to be good at this video game and you know it definitely takes a lot of time playing but also um, learning spots on the map learning uh, you know what settings you should be playing on sensitivity button layout etc so you know I think growing up I spent a lot of time on YouTube watching pros and streamer play to just learn from them but also you have to put the time in on the controller itself Mm -hmm. Um, but it's hard to say because, you know, I've had some teammates in the past where they didn't really play Call of Duty a lot until college and they just put in a sheer grind of hours every week, just shooting bots, you know, shooting like a thousand bots a day just to get better <laughs> and get the feel of the game where you have uh, people like me that just have played it growing up and you can finally apply it to a competitive environment. But I think if anybody put the time in, you could get to that like competitive level, at least collegiately. But it's a, it's a lot of time. Like, you know, yeah. it's not just a couple hours. You know, you need to be playing if you're, you know, around five hours a day. And it's so hard to balancing it with classes. And I think that's what makes collegiate esports unique is students balancing that. Yeah. And so, like, when a new, a new game comes out, like Warzone, does that kind of throw you off at all? Because you're so used to, like, Black Ops 3 
and you memorized all of those maps and like all the you know all the different tactics in that game and then this new game comes out and it's like the new big thing in esports within Oregon's team does that ever throw you off and it's kind of a learning curve yeah that's a that's a great question because you know it's always going to be call of duty but you know you have these developers on a three-year cycle like you were saying so last year was black ops 4 then which was produced by treyarch and this year you have modern warfare which is produced by infinity ward both call of duty but like you're saying it's very different so what happens with a lot of players is you know you still have the basic mechanics down right you still can shoot run whatever but you have mechanics that will vary game to game for example in black ops 4 um you know there was aspects with specialists where one had a grappling hook etc where in, and the game was very fast paced this game is a little bit slower paced and you don't have those futuristic mechanics Basically, what I'm saying is at the beginning of each Call of Duty, there's definitely that learning curve for everyone mm -hmm. because each publisher is going to have different mechanics and a feel for the game. And that's what makes the beginning of the game's life cycle a lot of fun is, you know, even the pro players, they're trying to figure out what's the, what's the meta per se. What are the best tactics to do? Is it going to be jump shotting? Is it going to be drop shotting? Um, so there's definitely a learning curve for everyone. But, you know, those core fundamentals are still going to be with you um, throughout collegiately what games are people playing against and maybe like even games that uo doesn't quite have like how many different games are out there that people are competing in yeah so i think like at the beginning of last year like i'm just speaking on behalf of david it was basically he sat down and looked at what uh what games students express interest in and you know there's criteria of you know like i was saying is there a running collegiate league that can support the existence of a team and is there the student interest to make the team? So I'll just use Call of Duty as a reference. The college, the college, the college Call of Duty League is what we play in, which is the CCL. And this year it grew tremendously. I think there were 72 teams total across the nation. Um, so, you know, the, the, um, the system was there for us to exist in. Um, and Call, call of Duty is the one I'm mainly invested in. And then at U of O, we have the five um, we have our five teams, but like you're saying, there's more teams, there's more games, sorry, outside of those five that we have. You know, a lot of students express interest in Rainbow Six Siege, Counter-Strike 2, I think like Dota 2. Um, but I don't know for sure if there's collegiate leagues to that off the top of my head, but I'm sure there is just because of how popular the games are. Yeah, so I, I kind of want to transition over to... Um, you know, like collegiate, like we, like what you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. in, in football, in college football, you have Alabama, you have Clemson. College yeah. basketball, you have Duke, you have North Carolina, you have Kansas. Who are like the elite teams that like U of O as a brand new program kind of look up to within the NCAA ranks? Gotcha. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's so interesting too because the college Call of Duty League, CCL for short, I'll start saying that. they We just finished up their second season second season only in existence and the fact that there is already there's already i think around 72 schools that competed is just insane um and actually the team that won it all this year is from our division texas a&m they're definitely amazing players their top player is um you know a top amateur in the league he's i bet he'll go pro honestly mm -hmm. texas a&m is a top school for call of duty you also got to look at concord um also humber which is in canada they're the season one champs they uh, almost defended their title um, also like Full Sail University, I believe that's in Florida. University of Texas at Dallas. A lot of the Texas schools are really good. Um, but those are some of the powerhouse schools. Alabama does have a team. They placed well. 
I don't know if LSU had a team, um, but there definitely is like starting to make that culture of like, oh, you know, these are the powerhouse teams. Yeah. Um, we're definitely not a powerhouse, but we're very well known across the league just because of that Oregon brand and, you know, people yeah. tie us to that. Nice. Yeah. And that new studio too. I'm sure people have seen yeah. that. Yeah. With mm-hmm. those glow in the dark trees. It looks so awesome. I know. Are, yeah. Aren't those so cool? Have you They're seen awesome. them lit up? Yeah, no, for sure. Reminds me of uh, Matthew Knight Arena a little bit, like the court. Oh, you guys kind of yeah, went yeah, for that totally same does. look. Yeah, mm-hmm. but so how many games did you guys play this past year in like your first year of competition? And what schools did you guys play and how are the results? Oh, yeah, actually, I can pull up our, our record for you. I think like for regular season, we probably played around 15 regular season matches. Um, and so how it was set up this year is – uh, we were split up into four divisions. And so obviously U of O, we played in the West division, but it was kind of interesting because we were the only school that competed this year from the Pacific Northwest. So there was no UW, there was no Washington state. Um, you know, out of Oregon and Washington, we were the only team that competed. There were a few other PAC 12 schools uh, like Utah. Um, but as far as Oregon and Washington go, we we're the only ones. Sorry, I'm just pulling up our record. So we had 17 regular season games. We went 12 and five. Okay. We finished six in the West out of 18 teams and the top eight makes playoffs. So similar to NBA. So a lot of the schools we played, uh, there's a few in Texas, like I said, Texas A&M, University of Texas at Dallas, Grossmont Community College is another good school from our division. They're a small community college in Southern California, I believe. Arizona State, Grand Canyon University, um, University of Texas, Arlington, Oklahoma State, Utah, uh, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, um, and then a few other California schools as well, uh, like Berkeley and Riverside. But I bet next year there'll be a lot more California schools, and hopefully we'll get to see UW make a team because that would be a fun rivalry, oh, rivalry. or even Oregon State. Yeah. yeah, one of those two. They need the matchup with Oregon. Yeah, it'd oh. be great. It'd be fun because they could drive down to us, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I was going to ask, 17 matches this year for you guys. How many were in person and how many were online? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they're all online because, yeah, no one else is in Oregon and Washington. No one was even close to us. So the whole league runs online. I think maybe they had plans for playoffs to be in person. But I think that's something we might see next year. Obviously, with everything happening, that wasn't possible. So I think next year there's going to be a lot of opportunity for lands. and. I think that's something really exciting and something university universities can catch on to and see like tangible, you know, events happening, thinking, Oh, this is really cool. This is happening in person and there's excitement around it, but no lands this year, unfortunately. However, when the esports lounge first opened that grand opening, we had like one V one booths for players of the different teams playing against students who just wanted to compete and see what the competition was like. Yeah. So your senior year, honestly, obviously, like with COVID, you know, you probably didn't get to do as much competition and be as involved as you'd hope because spring term got wiped away. But, um, you know, esports is a little different with COVID. You guys have the technology. You're still able to do stuff. So throughout these past couple of months, how have you been able to still be involved, even though you haven't, I mean, you are in Eugene right now, but like campus has been closed. The EMU has been closed, but Mm -hmm. considering like the, you know, just how esports is, um, how have you been able to still be involved throughout this virus? Yeah. Um, like you're, like you said, like we obviously have this technology to play from home. So it wasn't that big of a detriment when it came to like our practice and match schedule. However, 
it did suck because we were getting into the rhythm of practicing in the lounge. You know, it felt like a real like traditional sports practice. You go to practice mm-hmm. on time and you're there. Yeah. And that was really exciting was um, playing those matches and having practice in the lounge. And it actually makes a bigger difference than you think, you know, sitting next to your teammates in person, you're able to build the chemistry so much faster and get to know each other better. Um, so it really sucked when the lounge had to close down. But um, I think adapting was pretty well for the most part. I think we got a little stir crazy at the beginning, you know, being cooped up because of quarantine, but we got back into the rhythm of, um, you know, playing from home. I think for me personally, it was tough because, you know, now I'm doing homework in my room. Now I'm doing Mm -hmm. readings. Now I'm doing everything in my room. And it was like, I would go home to escape from that and play COD. And now like everything was jumbled in one. That was definitely difficult. But uh, once we got into rhythm, it became a lot better. And yeah, we had our playoffs, I believe, right in the middle of quarantine, which was, um, I think the first weekend in May. Are you able to still be involved next year, like post-grad, like with the program at all? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's hard to say right now because the university has been doing a lot of layoffs, which in- unfortunately includes our program director. Mm-hmm. So like the state of the program next year, this coming academic year is really up in the air. I would love to be involved with the program and I'm definitely going to look for ways to do that, especially since it's rapidly growing. I think um, David has mentioned to me that, you know, other universities are starting to, you know, build their own lounge after seeing ours and stuff like that. So I definitely want to be involved as an alumni, whether it's helping with content or, you know, running the program. So I just definitely in my plans, just don't really know what it's going to look like yet. Gotcha. That's a huge bummer. Some of those layoffs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to finish up with this question. It's a little bit of a loaded question, but I'm curious yeah. like, where esports is going to go in five to 10 years. And I was thinking about it and like with the coronavirus, esports, I feel like I'm, you can disagree with me or you can agree with me, but I feel like it's kind of launched throughout this coronavirus because live sports have taken a back seat for right now. Like they've been canceled. So people that are sports fans, I feel like have kind of um, gravitated towards esports, which are able to happen like pandemic no pandemic right so how do you mm-hmm. feel like the coronavirus pandemic can help kind of launch esports into the future yeah no you're right like you know i want to preface by saying obviously everything that's going on is horrible you know i wish mm-hmm. it never happened but it did expose what you're saying that you know esports is able to survive through that and thrive and you know esports was doing really well uh you know before this happened in some titles such as league of legends i encourage you to look into league of legends like esports after this because their world championships every year they literally sell out giant stadiums um every year and it's insane but you know i think you know once this all happened you had pro athletes celebrities start to get into streaming and you know reaching out to the these pro esports players and you're seeing this like culture collision that you would never like expect happening like do you remember a couple years ago when ninja played with drake on fortnite yeah yeah and that like like that like rocked the internet yeah Yeah. um but you know going back to an example i said earlier you know you have devin booker who's a semi-regular streamer now during this quarantine and he plays with you know one of my favorite streamers nade shot consistently and you know it's crazy to think that devin booker this nba player you know he's Mm -hmm. he scored like 70 a couple years ago yeah he's awesome but now he's looking up to you know this pro streamer and it's it's crazy to see that culture collision and just to get back to your question i think it's going to continue to rapidly grow and i think this quarantine was kind of a case study of 
the state of esports and how much uh, how much opportunity it has to get bigger. Um, you know, a lot of esports titles, you have some major events throughout the year periodically, but you don't have the you know regular season schedule as frequently as you see uh, traditional sports leagues. So I'd say like in five years, we we maybe might start to see um, you know regular esports events become a part of mainstream culture in a sense of like, hey, it's a Tuesday night, you want to go grab dinner and go to the Seattle Surge match, which is a, Seattle Surge is the uh, Call of Duty franchise league in Seattle. So, um, you know, if I were to make a prediction, I would say maybe it would start heading towards that arena of people, you know, going to an esports match on the night out. But, you know, a lot of that's going to depend on how the leagues are structured, structured and et cetera. Um, but I still think it's going to continue to grow. A lot of people think it's uh, the bubble's about to burst. Um, but I think there's definitely still a lot of opportunity and especially within sports leagues as well, like the online NBA 2K league for esports, it's crazy. I think it's growing a lot as well. And you have like the actual NBA franchises investing in their own yeah. 2K they franchise. Their own they all have their own team. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. Like and they definitely have, yeah. And you know, I think when they do the research, they're going to see that there's so much money in it. I think it's approach the esports industry as a whole is approaching a billion dollar valuation. But I think there's so much room and I'm, I'm the biggest proponent about it. I'm, I'm so annoying about it to my friends. I, I, I believe so much in it. And I think, I think it'll get there. It's definitely still have room to go though. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I feel like, I feel like coronavirus has, I mean, like it has kind of launched esports into a new dimension. I mean, like I know mm -hmm. I have been kind of hungry for sports lately and they're supposed to come back. I mean, some are back right now, but like mm -hmm. major traditional sports like the NBA are supposed to come back next month but like in the meantime I've been watching like 2k I've been watching Rocket League I've gotten into these games too I've like yeah which even though I'm awful like I'll play a buddy in 2K, <laughs> and we'll hop on Twitch and it's like it's just kind of fun to like you know yeah. people can tune in and uh watch you play and hear your voice and I know like you, you mentioned a great point like Devin Booker is on there um Bronny James is on there Juju uh, yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster, Drake, Travis Scott, uh, all these all these dudes who are like from different industries and more mainstream mm -hmm. industries too, like sports, music, um, they're into it too. And it's cool, like you brought up a good point of how they kind of look up to guys like Ninja and, you know, yeah. some of those other other huge names. Um, last, i add another thing. Yeah, for sure. So like, I would say like, look at it from this perspective. So you have these kids say like you know even younger than us you know we're in our early 20s or whatever but think about the kids who are growing up and you know they're not watching traditional sports they're watching twitch every day they're watching mm -hmm. fortnite growing up you know when i was growing up i don't know about you but you know my dad would always put on the nba that's what i remember growing up and you know i think for these kids who you know they're not being raised watching traditional sports as much anymore i mean i'm not there's obviously still going to be around but you have you know a whole generation of kids who are growing up watching fortnite and just, you know, taking that theme of video games as they grow up, they're going to they're gonna ride that into mainstream culture. And that's what they're going to want, you know, on the big screen. That's going you know, to be their form of entertainment. Go look at the Fortnite World Cup, like viewer statistics from last summer in New York City. It was absolutely incredible. You know, I, I, was, I wasn't that big into Fortnite last year, but I still watched that World Cup event because it was absolutely massive. So I would say, I think like when this generation grows up, it's going to be, that's when it's really going to explode that's that's a great point yeah like these kids are going to grow up and like different things are going to start to be mainstream and it's kind of like a new generation you know mm -hmm. uh, like we grew up watching like you know sports and maybe like kids grow up and esports is a little more mainstream once they hit our age you know um, mm -hmm. so yeah it's totally a great point 
last last question who are um who are some of your favorites out there like favorite pros is are you a ninja guy or are you like <laughs> someone um, else? yeah one of my favorite streamers like i said is sorry nade shot who is the ceo and founder of 100 thieves i don't know if you've heard of that organization i have not okay you should you should look into them they're doing a really job really good job breaking ground in the esports industry where they're finding an intersection of professional esports teams, but also streetwear apparel. Um, and they're, they're really cool. Um, they're in LA. Drake is a co, a co-owner. Also, Dan Gilbert was one of the original investors. Really? Um, Remind yeah. me of the name. What do you say the name was? 100 Thieves. So like okay. uh, the number 100 and Thieves. Really cool organization. Nate Shot, the guy who founded it, he was a pro Call of Duty player for like seven years. He won the first X Games gold medal for Call of Duty. Um, he was known as America's favorite gamer and then he retired and he built this brand and, you know, because he came from the pro space, he knew what it took to build a successful esports brand. So I'll look into them. They're really cool. Nate Shot's one of my favorite streamers. Um, another Call of Duty pro I really like is, his name's Envoy. He's a player for the Chicago Huntsman. I uh, met him last year when I went to a Call of Duty event in Anaheim and that was really cool. Um, awesome. Any other streamers I watch? I really like Courage too. He's more of a variety streamer. Um, he's not competitive, more chill vibes, but I like him a lot too. Nice. And like, do you ever watch non, non pros? Do you go and watch like, um, Bronny James or you mentioned like Drake, do you ever go watch their Twitch streams too? Uh-huh. Um, I haven't watched Bronny, but I know he has been streaming occasionally. So I definitely want to watch more of that. I guess I've seen some of Devin Booker's stream. It's really, yeah. it's really cool to watch like the pros play totally. the pro, you know pro athletes play video games it's really cool to see that totally well i said last question like three questions ago but now i'm now <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm down i'm down <laughs> yeah well dude i appreciate you taking the time and um this was our very first recording for this podcast so thanks for joining me and um yeah dude congrats on graduating and congrats on all you did this year in launching the uh uo esports program dude thank you so much i really appreciate it thanks for having me on everyone who's watching or listening right now definitely subscribe to the podcast follow the podcast follow sean he's doing great work out there um and just say you got on the train early and i appreciate <laughs> you having me on <laughs> buy that stock <laughs> thanks ramory that is a wrap on episode one special thanks to ramory for joining me stay tuned for another episode in the coming days and hey if you're interested in being a guest feel free to reach out via the official instagram page at mac chat podcast we'll catch you guys next time